0: And so I'm thrilled to be here uh, this morning to kick off a a new series, an introduction, um, Light, a Light in the Darkness, a Light in the Dark. Um, Have you ever been afraid of the dark or maybe been afraid in the dark? (laughs) I know growing up uh, I lived in a, well I slept, I didn't live there, (laughs) in the attic part of our home uh, had been redone, and my two older brothers and I, we shared a room together. And one of the cool things about living in the attic was there's this closet, and there's this door that you would walk in, it was a huge closet, you'd walk in, you'd see all the clothes hanging there, and if you parted the clothes and walked through, sort of like the lion, the witch, in the wardrobe, and you walk through the clothes, like this huge space would open up. Because it, the closet went underneath the eaves of the house. And so as a, cool, as a kid, it was a cool place to go because that's where mom and dad, they, they stored all their stuff. Their old old records and old radios, a, a projector. And so we'd go back there, we'd explore, see what we could find, what mom and dad hid back there. Some, I think sometimes we found our presents back there too. But uh, it was a great time. It was a cool place during the day, but at night, it all changed. <laughs> In fact, as a kid, I had this reoccurring nightmare, and the reoccurring nightmare was I would go and open the door to this closet, and Ronald McDonald would pop out. <laughs> and not only Ronald McDonald, but he was on a mini bike, and he would chase me down. And I had this dream again and again and again, and it terrified me as a little kid. Even clowns, clowns are a little creepy still to me. But it, it terrified me. You see, in, in the dark, noises seem louder, shadows seem bigger, uh, Everything seems scarier, seems like time just stops. And it's like, I can't get out of this. Not too many, uh, you know, everything seems scarier in the dark. Not too many haunted hayrides at noon, right? (laughs) Extreme dark can be paralyzing because you begin to lose all perspective and all of a sudden your imagination starts to fill in all the blanks of what you can't see. Darkness can be troubling. Darkness can be terrifying and confusing. This morning, we want to start this five-week conversation. We want to run right into the darkness that a lot of us struggle with. Some of you feel the darkness and the noises in your mind seem louder. The shadows of your fears seem bigger. The anxieties of your situation seem scarier. And for some of you, the depth of your darkness has become paralyzing. Others of you are helping people who are, who are helping, battling, struggling with emotional or mental challenges, and you want to help them get out of the darkness they're feeling, but you're not sure how. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. You don't know how to come alongside and, and help. This morning is simply an introduction to a five-week conversation. And today you'll leave and you'll feel like, well, the conversation isn't done. It, it isn't. <laughs> And so the goal for this series is to provide hope for those who are hurting in the darkness. And not only provide hope for those who are hurting, but help for those who love people who are hurting in the darkness. And so we want to to give hope for the hurting and help for the helping. Because trying to walk this difficult journey by yourself only makes it harder. And yet walking along someone with, alongside someone with mental health issues may, may mean a lifelong hike. A lifelong hike over, over peaks and into valleys. Learning to grow in faith and in relationship with Jesus through through an illness that often clouds the view ahead. It's hard. It's easy to become taxed, to become weary, to become tired from this kind of journey. But I think one of the things that we need to realize is no professional qualifications are required to be a friend. Someone willing to listen, someone to come alongside, to to give support, to give encouragement. In fact, I think one of the reasons we move away instead of towards people is, is confusion and uncertainty of what we should do. We don't have a good answer. It's easier to avoid situations and avoid people who generate the questions. But it's a journey no one should have to walk alone. It's a journey God may want to use to to press you closer to himself, to to realize that this life is not all there is, to realize, to, to get a greater glimpse of his love for us. As a church, we're to be a place where the hurting, the broken, the sin-scarred find rest and peace and life in the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We're to be a place where everyone owns up to the reality we're all hurting in some way. We're all broken in some way. We're all sin-scarred in every way, and yet the rescue by the grace God has lavished on us is available to us the same grace that we're to apply to our own connections and relationships as we live in response to the gospel. We can make a difference because even a little bit of light makes the darkness a lot less dark. You see, we're running into this over the next few weeks because this darkness is real. And as long as we ignore the reality of the darkness of mental illness, we'll, we'll lose our opportunity to influence the conversation and give hope. I'm going to rattle off a, a bunch of stats here, just to give you a sense of, of, of the weight of this conversation. You don't have to remember all the stats, but grab hold of at least one. One in four One in four, 25%, suffer with a diagnosed mental illness. And half of all Americans struggle with a mental disorder at some time in their lives. One in five U.S. service members who served in Iraq or Afghanistan suffer from major depression or PTSD, post-traumatic syndrome, which then affects their relationships, their ability to function and deal with anxieties and stresses. One in ten children and youth have a serious mental illness condition. Fewer than one-third of adults and one-half of children who live with mental health needs get the help that they need. 26% of the homeless population lives with severe mental illness. Mental illnesses don't discriminate. It affects us no matter our age, our gender, our ethnicity, our economic status. And we lose one life to suicide every 15.8 minutes. Well, what does that mean for us? Well, one of the things that it means is that one in four people sitting here on a Sunday morning is affected either by a personal mental illness or is affected by someone in their family with mental illness. Here's where we come in. See, many individuals, surveys have shown, studies have shown, many individuals with a mental health issue go first to a spiritual leader or spiritual friend for help. One other thing is in 2017, the ADM board, a Summit County organization that brings awareness and support to those struggling with alcohol and and drug addiction and mental illness, they coordinated these quick response teams throughout 10 Summit County communities. In one year's time, they made almost 3,000 visits to over 900 people. 72% of those visits happened in the communities of Akron, Caga Falls, and Barberton-Norton community. That's us. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter says it this way, people with mental problems are our neighbors. They are members of our churches, members of our families. They're everywhere in this country. If we ignore their cries for help, we will be continuing to participate in the anguish from which those cries for help come. A problem of this magnitude will not go away because it will not go away. And because of our spiritual commitments, we are compelled to take action. Well, we reached out to uh, some of our school counselors in in our community, and our local schools, and and just asked them, what are you guys facing in the schools? We got back answers from every one of them, and and they responded. Uh, The issues are depression and anxiety apathy, eating disorders, addiction, suicide, and self-harm. One school counselor replied, trauma and grief, domestic violence. Another said, loneliness and, and the fragmentation of the family. We reached out some, to some other professional counselors that, in, in our community, and they mentioned as well, toxic shame and loneliness, anxiety, apathy, grief and loss, no direction in life. I mean, it's all around us. We see it on the news. We see story after story of extreme cases of those who deal with some kind of darkness all of a sudden acting out in the middle of their darkness and something really bad happens. My office, I hear stories of people who are afraid of shadows and paralyzed by fear and anxiety. Recently, in the news, there's been startling stories of pastors. Pastors who have been advocates of of people getting help for the anxiety and depression who unfortunately succumb to their own dark feelings and commit suicide. You see, pastors aren't exempt from these things. I mean, who here hasn't had a time in their life where depression and sadness and anxiety have taken you to a dark place? Imagine those feelings magnified to the point where you feel trapped, where you feel paralyzed by these feelings and fears and failures. And I know some of you are there now. Some, some have been there. Some, are, some of you love someone who, who is there right now. I remember doing a character study on the life of the prophet Elijah in the Bible and and just being surprised at the complexities of of his life. He faced feelings of isolation and despair right after this amazing miracle of God, of God's power and God's presence, and using Elijah, uh, he wrestles with depression You see, in the Bible, we see people wrestling with suicide and and narcissism and and debilitating doubt and paralyzing anxiety and fear. The darkness is real. I had an Old Testament professor who always said almost every class, the Bible shoots straight. (laughs) Remember, the Bible shoots straight. In other words, it doesn't try to hide our struggles. It doesn't cover over the darkness. It runs into them. In fact, our hope is found in the fact that it seems to be the heart of God to help us, to support us, to give us hope in the struggles that we face. Listen to to some of these promises. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Again and again and again, God reminds us of his love, of his comfort, of his presence, his support. His presence in the midst of the darkness that we face. But before we go further, I don't want to promise anything that we can't deliver. And let me be totally honest with you. I think the church needs to run into this topic for a lot of the reasons I just stated. You see, our silence is not to be misinterpreted, but there are limitations to what we can do in these five weeks. Um, I'm not Dr. Phil any more than I'm uh, Dr. Pimple Popper. (laughs) Now I don't have a I don't have a doctorate in in neuroscience or psychology, but what I bring to the table is my understanding of God's word, my understanding of the Bible, my experience, and and the input and wisdom from others. We'll not be able to cover every topic. In fact, we can only brush the the surface because. Mental illness includes things like depression and bipolar affective disorders, schizophrenia and, and psychosis, uh, dementia, um, intellectual disabilities, developmental disorders, attention deficit disorder, obsessive-compulsive disorders, and the list goes on. There's this whole spectrum between feelings of depression to clinically diagnosed depression. I mean, we're not going to be able to cover all of that. We can't solve every problem nor do we know the reason for every struggle. We're not trying to answer every question. <laughs> we simply want to expose the issue of mental illness and give hope for the hurting and help for the helping. So here's the structure for the series. This is where this is the path we're taking over the next few weeks. Today is just merely an introduction to to <clears throat> mental health issues. Next week, we're going to talk about loneliness and and feelings of isolation and and being uh, afraid and alone. Uh, October 13th, we're going to talk about depression and anxiety. The 20th, we'll talk about pain and trauma. On the 27th, the last last week of our our series, we're actually going to have some counselors and professionals up here with us to to interview and talk to about other questions that we weren't able to address. And then, on Saturday, November 3rd, at the Norton campus, we're going to have some workshops on emotional and mental health going to bring in some professionals and they're going to do some workshops just to help people answer questions and 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 do things like that so you'll want to mark that on your calendar if you know someone who's struggling if you know someone who is is trying to help someone I encourage you to invite them to this series invite them to that workshop on on the third because this darkness is real And for some of you, it's a real that you feel personally. For others, there's people in your life that are in this moment of darkness. Whatever it is, I need to be real about the darkness that I feel. You see, minimizing our struggles will not make it go away. Dismissing our struggle will not make the darkness become less over spiritualizing it with a i just need to pray more can only and often only brings more shame and guilt and so we need to be real with how we feel That's what I love about David in the Psalms. He he was real with what he feels. He wrestled and struggled with trying to understand God in the midst of uncertainty. People are are chasing him, trying to kill him. And so he has all this anxiety and pressure and feelings of loneliness and depression. Uh, Listen as he he struggles, as he wrestles with the reality of his feelings and thoughts. Psalm 69, we read this, Save me, O God. For the waters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I am in deep water. The floods overwhelm me. I'm exhausted from crying out for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping. Waiting for my God to help me. And he goes on another ten verses. This is how I feel, God. This is what's going on. In verse 13 he says, But I keep praying to you, Lord hoping this time you will show me favor in your unfailing love. O oh God, answer my prayer with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me. Pull me from these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. Answer my prayers, O oh Lord, for your unfailing love is wonderful. Take care of me, for your mercy is so plentiful. The Bible shoots straight. (laughs) David was real with his thoughts and feelings and poured them out to God because God wants to be included in our struggles. He wants to help shed light on, on what needs to be revealed. And so I need to be real with the darkness I feel and realize the darkness I feel is caused by something that I need to reveal. See, this darkness is is rooted to a reason. So often we we identify the symptoms because that's, that's what's going on in our life and in our minds, but there's always a root reason for why we feel what we're feeling. There's a root reason to why I feel this darkness. It's a a root that I need to understand and and try to address. Until I gain understanding of the root, I can't apply wisdom. You see, understanding and wisdom go together. The, The writer of Proverbs knew this. He says, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Instead, get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake. Don't turn away from wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she'll watch over you. For the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, though it cost everything you have. Get understanding. You see, wisdom, understanding, and wisdom are connected. Understanding is turning the light on the root and the reason that is underlying the darkness I feel. And so this morning, we're going to spend the rest of our time looking quickly at some of the roots of this darkness in which we struggle. Now, <clears throat> full disclosure, I'm borrowing some of these thoughts from Pastor Rick Warren, who has who's struggled with these things personally as well as, as in his family. You see, every one of us has been dealt a different hand in life. We've all been helped, <clears throat> dealt a different hand. Things that we often can't control. And these cards directly correlate to the, to the root cause of, of how we feel or, or what we feel. You see, we like simple answers... But the reality is God has created us to be complex. And that's the reality of, this, of the situation that we're facing here is that we are complex individuals. People are, are never as neat as whatever categories we, we create to try to understand them. And so the Bible speaks to this when, when the psalmist says in 130, Psalm 139, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. The Bible says there's nothing simple about you. You're complex. You're unique. You're multifaceted, fa- faceted. You're not easy to to understand. You're not easy to explain. Therefore, to become all that God intends for you to be, you have to look at every dimension of your life, not just one. Be clear, understand understand that every one of these cards is flawed. Every one of these cards that were dealt in life is imperfect. Every one of these cards is corrupted. They're marred by sin. But the good news is that God sent Jesus to rescue us. To change all that, He sent Jesus to transform the cards that we've been given, to change the deck and give us a present and future hope. You see, each one of us has been dealt a hand. And today we're going to look at five of them five possible root causes to how I feel. The first is my chemistry. The first card that I've been dealt is my chemistry, my chromosomes, my DNA, my, my hormones, my genes. It's, it's my chemical makeup. It's, a, it's <clears throat> at the most basic biologic level. It's, it's you and, and your body. Everything that happens to you in your life happens in your body, and your body is made up of all of these chemicals. Some of you were born with this hypersensitivity to pain. I mean, you, you notice pain very easily. If something doesn't fit right or feel right, you notice it immediately. <laughs> it's not right or wrong. It's just the way you're wired. It's your chemistry. Others, you were born with this very high threshold of pain. You, you're a hammer and a nail, and you hit yourself and you're on the thumb, and you're like, oh, that hurt. <laughs> it's, not, it's not wrong or right. It's just the way some people are wired. Some of you were born with low energy level. It's not right or wrong, it's just the way you are born. You're a low energy person. <laughs> Some of you were born like a caffeinated squirrel. <laughs> You're wired to be wired. You see, every one of us has structural and chemical weaknesses in our bodies. Some of us are predisposed to our backs going out. My mom's had back surgery. My older brothers had back surgery. My middle brothers had back surgery. I've had two back surgeries. If you're a carry, you have a bad back. <laughs> you know, some of us wear glasses. Some of us have weak eyesight. Some of us have 20/20 vision. It's not, it's not wrong or right, right. You get the picture. <laughs> you see, mental illness is no different than, than physical illness. It has a chemical basis. Sometimes our chemistry is affected by our lifestyle. I was listening to this podcast from a neuroscientist from Cornell. They were talking about the brain, and she was talking about how much energy the brain needs to function properly. I was fascinated because I had never heard this before, and, and she says that the brain consumes over a quarter of the calories that we consume. So you go and get that Chipotle burrito, you know, some 2,000 calories or whatever, you know, 500 of those calories are being burned by your brain. Well, man, that gets me, that gets me thinking. So if I'm not eating right it can severely affect the way my brain functions. If I'm I'm putting stuff in my body that isn't good for it, it affects the way I think, the way I perceive things. So I can choose to live healthier. I can always eat better, get more sleep, reduce the stress. I can go see a doctor, go get a blood test, change my diet, exercise more, take more walks. There are things that I can do. So some of my chemistry is determined at birth. Some of it is determined by my lifestyle, my diet. The second card that we're dealt is our, is our connections. Our connections are my relationships in, night, in, in life. You, we're a products of our relationships, especially during our early years those relationships may have been good or they may have been bad. They may have been healthy. They might have been unhealthy. They may have been even non-existent. Some may have even been abusive. And these relationships helped shape the way that you think because childhood wounds run deep. Your connections make a difference in the way that you process life, the way you think. The Bible says it like this, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. A friend loves at all times, and a a brother is born for a time of adversity. Study after study has shown that your identity, how you see yourself is largely determined by what you think the most most important people in your life think of you. What you think the most important people in your life tends to determine your self-image, your self-concept, your self-esteem. That's why you need to make sure that Jesus is the most important person in your life. Because he calls you brother, he calls you sister, he's chosen you, he's welcomed you into his family, he loves unconditionally, he's always present. You see, relationships are a key part of our, our lives and our purpose. The problem with our connections is that we're not perfect. And since we're all imperfect, there are no perfect relationships that causes problems because we hurt each other. We have conflict with one another. We have stress. We misunderstand one another. Sin disconnects us. And sometimes we, we so much want to be needed, and we want to be known, and we want to be loved, we'll do anything to connect, no matter who it is. And so we find ourselves in toxic relationships, we find ourselves in unhealthy relationships that in turn affect lifestyle choices, which in turn affects our bodies and the way we think. Well, there's a third card that makes you you, and it's my circumstances. My circumstances, the things that, that happen to you. These are things that, that happen around you. None of these things were in your control. You didn't choose your chemistry, you didn't choose your initial connections, and you certainly haven't chosen all of your circumstances. The things that happen to us and the things that happen around us help shape our identity. We're a product of the, of the traumas and troubles in life and, and how we choose to respond to those. We're a product of the suffering and the shame and the shock and the stress and the problems and the pressure and pain that can shape our lives. And so things like rejection and failure and trauma and pain affect who you are and the decisions you make. These things are out of our control, but some of them may be in our control. Your lifestyle choices, the relationships you've chosen, all have an impact on your current circumstances. And so there's a fourth card, a fourth factor that makes you you, and and this is a big one. It's called what we'll call our consciousness. It's how I talk to myself. (laughs) It's these little conversations uh, that I have in my head and what I think about myself. I'm constantly talking to me. We're carrying on a constant conversation with ourselves. Just some of us do it out loud. <laughs> you see, there's never a time in your life when, when you're not talking to you. But you know what one of the issues is? If we were to talk to our friends the way we talk to ourselves, <laughs> they probably wouldn't be our friends. And the reason why is because we're our own toughest critic, we're always criticizing ourselves. Man, you're worthless. You didn't do that. You didn't do that well enough. And we're talking to ourselves, and we're critical of ourselves, and we lie to ourselves all the time. We're constantly telling ourselves lies. The Bible says the heart is deceitful. Beyond all else, who can, who can understand it? Who can comprehend it? And we tell ourselves things that aren't true, but we believe them anyway. Write this down if you're taking notes. What I say to me influences who I think I am. What I say to me influences who I think I am. And a lot of what I say to me are things that I've held on to, things that people have said to me. You're no good, you're worthless. You're never going to amount to anything. You're uncoordinated. You're, you're not very attractive. You're a loser. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and all these things that, that people have said through us without our lives, they, they like hang on. They're like glued to the inside of our brains. And they're Velcroed to our head. And we file those things. And then we start finding those files and we start repeating them to ourselves. And we start to say it over and over again. It's, well, it's just like me to be clumsy. Well, it's just like me to to, to be that stupid. You've said it over and over and over, and it's gotten deeper and deeper into your mind. And the Bible says, above all else, above every other thing, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. We need to guard our hearts from these lies. You see, a thought doesn't have to be true to hurt you. You just have to believe it. Your perception of yourself becomes your own reality. If you want your life to go in a different direction, we're going to have to start changing the directions of the way we think. To remind ourselves of the truth that, that God says about us. He chose us. He loves us. He secures us. This affects my identity. But there's a fifth card, and this fifth card is important because it, it really controls the other cards. This fifth card that makes me me is my choices. You see, you have a choice to Choose. That's because you're made in God's image. God made you. And this freedom of choice is an incredible blessing, but it's also our greatest curse. Because I don't know about you, but I make stupid choices all the time. We make dumb decisions. We we make self-defeating choices. We make harmful decisions that that harm ourselves, that are destructive to our bodies, that sabotage our relationships and our circumstances, everybody around us. But here's the good news. God says you have a wild card. You've got a wild card. It's a trump card that changes the, the whole nature of the hand that you've been dealt. Your choices influence every every other card that you've been dealt. You see, I I didn't get to choose my chemistry, but I can choose what I do with my body and how I make the most of what I got. That's my choice. I can choose to do the best I can with what I have. I didn't choose my relationships in my childhood, but I can choose how I respond to them I can choose new relationships, healthy relationships. I can choose to get help in my relationships, to learn relational skills. I can choose a lot of things that will change my relationships, my connections, and sometimes break the destructive cycle that I've been born into. I didn't choose my circumstances, but I certainly can choose how I respond to them. Even my consciousness, the way I think. I didn't control what those people said about me. Those old tapes I continue to play in my mind on repeat, and I've started to believe, but I can choose to stop believing them. I can change the rudder of my boat in the course of my life by changing the way I think to reorient my thinking, to fix my mind on God's truth and the things that I'm able to control. You see, the choices we make are the secret to our hope and our helping. I have the power to choose to walk toward hope, to walk toward help, to walk toward healing. We still have choices that you can make even with the hand that you've been dealt Choose to get healthier, choose healthy relationships, choose what you think about, choose to lean into God by choosing to know what He says about you. Choose to say yes to Jesus and let Him lead your life. This is the beginning of finding light in the darkness. At the beginning of the day, I, I, I told you about my reoccurring nightmares, <laughs> Seems silly to me now <laughs> to have a nightmare about Ronald McDonald, but uh, <laughs> as a kid, these, these nightmares were real. They were terrifying. And I would often cry out in my sleep, and when, when I was in the dark, everything became distorted. The shadows grew larger. I became paralyzed in, in my fright and in my, in my fear. There's only a few things that helped, and one was light. (laughs) You see, I'd turn on a light, or my parents would come, and they would turn on a light, and and then I began to see. I was able to see things as they really were. That menacing person standing at the end of my bed staring at me, oh, that's my football helmet and, and jersey hanging on the other side of the room. Those scary, elongated faces that are looking at me from the walls. Oh, that's the grain and the wood paneling. (laughs) And I started to get, I I would get perspective on my surroundings and what was going on. You see, light gives us perspective. It reminds us of the truth and it brings relief. Sometimes my parents would hear my cries and they would come to the side of my bed and and they would pray for me and they would be present and they would comfort me. And when I was really little, they would would sing songs to me and and their voice, their, their presence brought me comfort. Mom and dad are here. Their prayers, their songs reminded me my my God is bigger and greater than anything I'll face in this life and he loves me. He loves me as his child. He's here with me and having someone close also brought comfort that I wasn't alone, that I wasn't facing this darkness by myself, that I was facing that night that there were people with me, going with me. You see, in the same way, when we're struggling in a, in a mental or an emotional darkness, we need people to journey with us and simply be a friend. You see, we don't have to have all the right answers. We don't have to say all the right things. But we can be there. We can be present to bring encouragement, to bring comfort, to know, wow, somebody cares about me. See, we need the reminder that God is with us and He cares as well. In fact, I believe He still sings over us just like He did the nation of Israel, reminding us of who we are and and whose we and, and to whom we belong. He says, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is present. He's here with you. He is a mighty Savior. He rescues. He saves. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Our hope is based in the confidence of of God's presence with us, even when we can't feel him in our struggles, in our darkness. He's there. You see, Paul writes concerning these things, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Our hope is rooted in our understanding that something much better is to come. We have a hope that lies in the future. People who struggle with mental illness see distorted images of reality and even God himself. But so do the rest of us. Paul writes in in 1 Corinthians 13, now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then... But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. You see, someday this hazy glass will be shattered. And we'll see all the truth clearly, the truth of who we are, the truth of who God created us to be, the truth of who God is. But it's not just future. We see God transforming and recreating today. He makes all things new. He makes beautiful things out of messes. He cleans and polishes and repairs whatever what others have cast aside. He breaks through the darkness. He shines the light in places we thought it could never reach. He brings new life to people dead in sin. He changes people from the inside out and uses us in ways we never thought imaginable. Amy Simpson, author of a book titled Troubled Minds, concludes it this way. Our hope for the present is in Jesus. Our hope for the present is in Jesus and his work in and through us. Sometimes that work brings healing. Sometimes it brings new and deeper perspective on pain. Sometimes it knocks down prison walls that will never be rebuilt. Regardless, it always redeems. It always saves You see, that's the hope that we have for the hurting. It's the hope that we have as the gift of the helper. You see, choosing to heal begins with revealing the root of the darkness I feel. We have a choice to walk toward help. To getting that help the finding a friend. We have a choice to walk toward hope by shedding light on the cause, the root, and inviting others into the room to to journey with us. You see, choosing the help begins by deciding then to walk into someone else's darkness. It's not easy. But we all have an opportunity to give someone help by showing them hope. And we can't make choices for them, but we can make choices for ourselves. To run into the darkness, and to be a help, to be a friend, to be a support. You see, wherever you're at today, it's our hope that God will use this series to start conversations, start talking about what's been hidden in the dark and increase the willingness and effectiveness of our churches and our people that care for and, and love one another well. You see, we have an opportunity here to make Jesus to make sense, to bring light into the darkness. You see, the darkness is real, but Jesus is our hope. Can we pray together?